This is In the Trenches, Broadcast 26. Welcome to In the Trenches, where entrepreneurs, artists, writers, designers, inventors, warriors, and leaders share their stories of doing the hard, creative work that impacts all of our lives. Let the journey inspire you to do something worthwhile, build something bold, and create your life's work. And now, your host, Tom Morgus. So, Richard, thank you so much for being on the call with us today. No, thanks for having us. Or me. So, yeah, absolutely. So, Richard, tell, tell us a little bit about yourself um, and how you got started uh, at Abstract Magazine and how you became the, really the managing editor, but kind of what, what led you to that in the first place. Okay. Well, me personally, I'm a, I'm a writer. Um, or I've, I've written pretty much all my life, and there was a point in my recent life, uh, two, three years ago, well, three, four years ago, where I really started pursuing my writing seriously. And it was through that there was um, some events held by a local literary journal called Bamboo Ridge. And um, through them, I met James Charisma. We had both won a contest that they had. They had a monthly writing contest for fiction. And um, I had won a few months. James had won, um, I believe, a few months. And the local newspaper, or, um, the Honolulu Advertiser, was doing a piece about Bamboo Ridge, because at the time they had their 100th issue or they were coming out the 100th issue, and they wanted to talk to some of the recent contest winners, too. So James Charisma and I had met at that event, and we kind of kept in touch via Facebook um, yeah, for about a year or so, you know, liking each other's posts and just commenting here and there. Never even hung out or called each other, but kind of kept each other in our spheres. And then out of the blue, I got a message from James one day saying, you know, Rich, I'm starting a magazine. Um, I'm looking for writers. Do you want in? And I said, absolutely. And that was very late December or very early January of, um, yeah, very early 2013 or very late 2012 when he reached out to me. And things just moved quickly from there. Um, Our first issue came out in March. I wrote two pieces for that first issue. And... James apparently was really thrilled with what I did. Um, we had a good relationship through the whole writing process and the assembling of the magazine, and he asked me to take on um, you know, a few more duties. And so, yeah, that pretty much with the second issue and then the third issue, it just grew into you know, becoming managing editor and just helping pretty much with every step of the process you know, from beginning to end. Sure. Okay, so tell, tell us a little bit about Abstract then as, uh, you know, in general. Um, it's it's a, a culture and lifestyle magazine for Honolulu, um, and, and there's a lot of remarkable things that I, I definitely want to get into, um, among them being like just its great design, and we'll dig into that in a little bit, and the fact that it's free, which kind of blew my mind when I was um, walking through uh, and, and stopping at uh, Morning Brew Coffee Shop and saw it on, on one of the um, stands there. And uh, so that's all remarkable, but just tell us a little bit about the, the, the concept of the magazine itself. What is, what is the point of it? Why, why, why does it matter? Well, it's um, sort of twofold. I mean, one, it's, you know, like you said, it is a lifestyle and culture magazine. We wanted to highlight the stuff that's going on on the island um, and the islands in general. Some of our recent issues have touched upon things going on in the neighboring islands. But um, we just wanted to take an approach that some of the other magazines here aren't necessarily taken. Just kind of 
I don't know, maybe targeting a niche or maybe um, more accurately taking on a tone and an attitude that some of the other magazines, you know, necessarily aren't. And not, you know, for good or ill, but they do their thing and we're trying to do something unique in that that same realm. Um, The other side of the equation is that what we're doing is, well, Abstract is part of this program called the Incubator, and that's Incubator with a K. Um, And it's, the Incubator can best be described as sort of a, a training platform for emerging designers. And that's sponsored in large part by um, the AIGA of Honolulu, which is um, an industry trade group that represents designers and provides support for graphic designers in general. So through the incubator, um, AIGA members who are recent graduates or on the verge of graduating can pretty much sign up for for the incubator program to get hands-on experience. Um, the, the problem that kind of emerged, and let me back up a little bit, um, our publisher, um, they, they do a lot of printing for graphic designers and graphic design firms. And what they were finding is you'd get a lot of these newer designers who are either working solo or, uh, you know, new with a firm. And what they were requesting, you know, print-wise was not necessarily what was really possible, <laughs> based on what they were given and i mean it just it boiled down to lack of knowledge um it not bad it was just they were inexperienced so the publisher and another designer friend were kind of coming up with the idea of you know wouldn't it be great if there was some sort of training ground for these new designers um so from that came the initial seeds for what became the incubator now parallel to that um james charisma the editor-in-chief he um he had taken over um a local zine, a very grassroots effort um, from a mutual friend. Um, and that had been about two years earlier than that. And he just couldn't really find a way to make it work as far as it, making it viable, you know, getting the advertisers on board and, you know, the printing costs. And just through the grapevine and people knowing people, he got connected with Matt, the publisher. And they figured, you know, a magazine would be a great vehicle for these designers to get that hands-on training. And meanwhile, you know, we've got the backing of a publisher, you know, who can help us out. So that's a really lengthy way of explaining that just the marriage of the two sides, though. It was just a – yeah. we had a magazine that needed a publisher and a means to get printed. And there was a design program that was looking for a vehicle, which became the magazine. So that's how the magazine started. Um, and again, that was January of last year when – the initial meeting started and first issue hit in March. Yeah, well, I'm glad you do, you did dig into the back end because I was actually really curious about that because one of the first things I did after I, I went through the f- the first magazine that I I, I got um, that I picked up um, was look at you know how is this created you know who is responsible for this because again I was like really again if anybody is is listening to this from from Hawaii pick it up if you haven't already um, and if you fly to Hawaii go grab one um, they're really cool cool magazines. Just the design is really beautiful. So I was like really curious, and I mentioned saw the incubator. I did some research online about that, and it's all really fresh and new. It seems like not not like none of this stuff has been around for a while, and so I'm glad you kind of touched on that. So the incubator itself is actually something that uh, hasn't been around for too long either. No, no, not at all. I mean, it's it's. Uh, I mean, I won't say it's a new concept in general, but it's a new concept here in Hawaii. Um, you know, to our knowledge, nothing like this has been attempted, and it's just a way of you know nurturing the next generation of designers. And pairing them with, you know, experienced or even, you know, 
emerging writers in their own right, just giving a, a platform for them to gain, gain exposure and get you know some practice in there too. Right, but then beyond that too, you are you know so yeah, you're getting uh, design experience and all that. But I look at it and I'm like, this is you know better better design than most um, magazines or journals that I've come across. And so it's it you know that's a testament to the obviously the quality of um, people that you have working on it. But I wonder, you know, that said, so you're creating a remarkable product. Like it looks great, it feels great, um, and it reads great. Would, are, are people, but it sounded like you know the the point of this was to you know get people ex- experience in, in design and writing. Has that been the case? Like this is pretty fresh and new, but have people like landed jobs outside of Abstract Magazine already, or is there any intention to, or what? Um, uh, yeah, people have. Um, well, let me back up one more point that I forgot to mention when I was describing the incubator. These emerging designers are paired with um, mentors. And these are veteran designers who either have their own firms or have worked a long time in firms. And it's in their best interest in helping nurture this new generation. So these um, new designers aren't going blind. They're having these mentors kind of guide them, either reining them in or pushing them and challenging to think outside the box. Um, So there's that element. But, yeah, um, a number of our designers have landed jobs, either freelancing gigs or positions with um, design firms. And just other work, um, speaking from my own experience as a writer, um, I mean, this is working on abstract has been something I've been able to add to my writing portfolio. And, you know, I, I'd like to think that it's helped like, me with some freelance gigs here and there. So, yeah, all around it's been benefiting, you know, the writers, designers, and even the photographers, you know, who are out there, again, getting exposure. And they can point to the magazine as a, a pretty much a virtual res- resume or a printed resume, I should say. They could say, look, this is what I've done. Yeah, uh, you know, and that's one of the I think the power in it is is so this is interesting. So I have um, a, a, a small publishing company. It's it's digitally based mostly, but I think this is remarkable because um, you know you're doing it. You know, it's very focused on one area, um, Honolulu, and it sounds like you guys may or may not be expanding to other islands. But the point is, it's still very locally based, and that's the vibe you get from it. And there's a lot of power in that too. When you think about the the fact that it's physical print and that it's free, you distribute it freely. Um, can you tell me about, I guess, the strategy behind that? Because I don't want to, you know, assume something or put words in your mouth. But tell me about like what is the concept behind that? Like why why did you guys choose to make it physical? Why did you choose to to give it away free? And why did you choose to focus it on Honolulu? Um, I'll, I'll hop around as far as the order of the questions. Um, sure. Why yeah, yeah. why it's focused on Honolulu? Uh, that's pretty much where we are. You know, just, I mean, we're, we're writing about our own backyard. Um, and it is meant to nurture, you know, local designers, you know, the students that are here, um, and, you know, local writers. Um, logistically, I think it just makes things easier. Um, but like I said, we did have um, at least one issue. We did cover a story that was taking place on a neighbor island, um, which was a neat experience. You know, I, I wasn't involved with the story directly, but... Um, you know, I know there were some phone and email interviews that took place there, and we did highlight um, a bird sanctuary in the Big Island for one story. Um, and that might have been that pink issue, the the third issue you were describing earlier that you had in yeah. mind. Yeah. Um, let's see. As far as why print, um, again, because this was meant as sort of a training ground for the emerging designers, it was the experience that they were lacking, or I don't want to say they're lacking, but it, it was meant to give them experience in print design. Um, you know, graphic designers, while it's an increasingly digital age, you know, print is still a huge part of what graphic designers deal with. So this, again, was meant to be 
something concrete, something physical that they could generate, something they could work on, and better understand the mechanics of what happens between you know their Photoshop and InDesign applications on screen to what's going to be spit out at the other end at the printer. So that that explains why why it's print, and uh, it's got a long way to prove, I think, locally at least, that print's not dead. Um, I mean, you've seen the product. It's amazing, and there's things we can do in that respect that probably wouldn't hold up as well on web or in any other medium. And right. I'm sorry, what was your first or your third question? And then, the, yeah, the, and then the third third piece was why free? Um, you know, honestly, I couldn't answer that. I <laughs> that that I think was ultimately <laughs> sure. a decision that was between um, James Charisma and our publisher Matt Heim. Uh, I think in part it was just logistics. You know, they just wanted a product that was out there. Um, and I think just trying to figure out a way to charge for this and work out distribution just would have tangled things up more um, than we were probably ready to handle at the time. Um, and I also, now that I'm thinking out loud about this, I have to wonder if it was something about the nature of um, the activity. You know, because we are training these designers. This is an educational component. Um, so they're working for free. You know, essentially, I mean, there, there's all these workshops and stuff we do at the incubator, so it's not like slave labor. <laughs> I need to clarify, you know, we are giving sure, them an course. educational value, and this is one of the components. So I think that plays into it as far as why, you know, it was free. Uh, but don't quote me. That's probably something I'd have to um, talk to James <laughs> no and Matt about on that. Yeah. No, I, I know. I, I didn't I didn't I, I didn't probably prepare you for that question. I just was thinking of it. And the reason I bring it up is because. Um, kind of like I bring up the the physical. So so here's my thoughts on it, mm-hmm. uh, for what they're worth. Is I see it, you know, I come into this uh, into this state, um, and I see, you know, come to a coffee shop and I see this magazine. I would have paid for it, obviously, but and so maybe that's not the case with everybody. And I understand the concept of free will distribute quickly and faster that way. Um, so I think that's that's great, like to get it into the hands of people who will distribute it for you. So the coffee shops and and other places that you probably give it out to. Right. Um, it's really powerful. Um, what I see, though, is really awesome is that combination of being physical and being local. Because in this age that everything is becoming more and more digital, I see that there's actually still quite a bit of power and uh, necessity for physical print. But it just has to be done the right way for the right purposes. And right. I think Abstract Magazine um, exemplifies that in a number of ways. Because it's local uh, and because it's locally specific to that, um, to that local market, you can highlight people in the community that are doing great things. Um, you can give them a physical artifact of that, which is this this magazine, which to me, from my mind, like it looks like it would be something like if I was there and I was highlighted in this, I would want to share it and I would want to spread it to people. So is that part of the philosophy that went into it too? I, I'd imagine it was. I, again, thinking out loud, and you caught me at the end of the day on our time, but and you, you probably express it way more articulately than I could. But yeah, I mean, that's it is a very local-centric magazine. A big appeal is having that physical artifact, and it's it, it is a very much, a local centric magazine, so that that what you described there is very much, I'd imagine. Again, not yeah. having you know picked James' brain on it, but I, I'd imagine it's a big factor of what went into um, the decision there. And so, yeah, tell me a little bit about the distribution. Um, how do you decide where you um, distribute the the abstract magazine? Okay, we try to be um, selective with where we um, distribute. We uh, well, on the one hand, you know. The widest distribution would be ideal. Um, we have a print run of about uh, varies from like 3,500 to 5,000 copies per issue, and so we try to be a bit selective. We try to um, go to places where we think our audience is. 
Um, we'll have, you know, some of the um, cafes, you know, is a big um, component. You know, had a lot of the local cafes. Um, some of the bars, some of the trendier bars, some of the restaurants, um, some of the art um, workspaces, um, which are similar to incubators of sort, not kind of what we do, but, you know, the shared workspaces. Um, there's a number here called, um, there's a few of them here, like Box Jelly, Inter-Island Terminal, things like that, where techies or artists can go and use the space and, you know, we'll kind of display our magazines there. Um, you know, Whole Foods <laughs> of all places. Um, but yeah, we try to be selective. We There's so many places where we think we could, you know, just delis and lunch places and but mm-hmm. again, you know, with a limited print run, we try to be a little more um, selective, you know, in where we go. But um, the actual physical distribution is in part done by, well, for the first few issues, we it was pretty much just James and I um, and whoever else could help us. So we'd load up a bunch of boxes in the back of my car and we would just go around the island, you know, seeing if they'd be wanting to take any copies. You know, we'd leave them a bunch. Um, fortunately, as people become more aware of us and we've developed a relationship, um, they're most of the places, the publisher being that they are a printing company, they have their own fleet of, um, vehicles. So they have their delivery drivers deliver to, I'd say probably about three quarters of the destinations. Um, so they'll go out there and with each issue that comes out, you know, they, they know where to go and who to drop them off to. And there's still a small group that we still reach out to directly, um, for whatever reason, just logistics of where they are or, you know, how the magazine is placed. So James and I will still go door-to-door to to a lot of these places and take a weekend out and deliver them. Um, And we're always open to new requests, too. So if somebody says, hey, um, how come you're not, you know, distributing at this cafe? Well, we'll reach out to the cafe and we'll make a visit. Or, you know, we ran out of copies of that restaurant. No problem. You know, we're on our way and then we'll make personal delivery to one of those places. So it's still very much a grassroots effort. Sure. Well, I have one question and you don't have to, you know, name drop or anything like that. I'm not asking you to call anybody out, but on that first issue, when you were driving these around, did you actually get any no's? Did anybody turn down, um, the opportunity to have these in their, um, place of business or anything like that? Um, actually, yeah. And not because they weren't necessarily interested. Um, well, we came across two types of no's. One was the skeptical, oh, I don't know, uh, I'll have to check with my manager, um, just because we were a new, untested name, you know, they didn't know if there was a catch, <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, we have to explain again, it's like, no, this is free, you don't have to do anything, this the stack just stays there, you don't have to do anything, um, which often people would get after a while, but, you know, some people were still hesitant or just outright refused, um, or management never got back to us, And but that was a very small minority. Um, the other types yeah. of no's where um, we try to um, get our magazines in certain, um, without name dropping, but um, one or two chain cafes, um, which, you know, are very well known throughout the world. Um, <laughs> so we try to display our <laughs> yeah. magazines there at those two different chains. Okay. And they both said no because it was against corporate policy, sure. which we were understanding of, you know, that's, it was out of their control. So we did not so. That's another reason why we stick to um, the smaller cafes, you know, just the, yeah. the real local ones. Yeah, it fits the theme of the magazine, though, and the purpose of the magazine, though, pretty well, I think. I, I'd agree, yeah. 
Sure. And, and I'm going to ask you one more um, broad hypothetical that uh, <laughs> sure. is, is, is really unfair, but I just need to. Um, something like this, I look at it, and again, I, you know, I don't expect that you could really answer this, but because I've never seen this anywhere else, but maybe I haven't been paying attention to it um, throughout the states, and, but I'm going to start looking out for it. I wonder, has this been tried? Like, was this idea something that has been tried before in other parts of the United States? And if not, why hasn't it been? Like this is really broad and really hypothetical, so you know, as much as you want to say on that, go for it. Yeah, I mean, to our knowledge, um, this hasn't been done elsewhere. But again, it's just our our surface level knowledge because I think we've kind of talked about this internally, just amongst ourselves. Um, not saying, I mean, I'm sure there's other incubator type projects or some sort of training ground programs, you know, for emerging designers. But to our knowledge, um, there's not one that produces a magazine. You know, whether to produce a website or some other type of media or a product, you know, we can't say for sure. But to our knowledge, you know, this, if it's not unique, it's one of very few that are out there. But again, we haven't heard right. of any, <laughs> any others that are out sure. there. Yeah, well, I just like immediately when I saw it, I was like, you know, this seems like something that, and it would, the beauty of it is that it's, it's, it's non-competitive in terms of like if I thought to myself, well, other cities should do this, other other towns should do this because, again, because it's locally based, it's not like in and of itself that concept would be a competitive um, thought. It would be that like I really wish like certain other cities and uh, in localities would have something like this. Like right. it's just a really cool artifact of the city itself too because I look at this and I'm like, oh, that reminds me of Honolulu, you know, and it's, that's really cool. No, thanks. So. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me a little bit about then the design process that goes into these journals um, and, and the writing and the articles. Uh, what's that process like from start to finish to ship? Like, I mean, how do you guys come up with your ideas? How do you put it all together? It's, again, a broad scope, but but how do you do that? Well, we um, uh, each issue we have is themed, um, which I don't know if you got from the one issue that you picked up, but each issue, we're a quarterly magazine, and we'll, we'll come up with the themes at first. Our first issue um, – Fittingly enough, it was called First Friday, and First Friday here in Honolulu is um, it's a monthly event that takes place on the first Friday of the month in our Chinatown area, and it's sort of um, an arts festival. All the local vendors and the galleries, you know, kind of show their wares. Sometimes it takes the um, the form of like a street festival, a block party, depending um, what's going on at the time. In fact, our first issue. The first Friday kind of coincided with Chinese New Year last year. So anyway, that issue ended up being sort of a celebration first Friday and sort of a focus on Chinatown. Um, so that theme kind of played into the issue. And I'm rambling and going way off the main point. But we start with the theme. Yeah. Um, from the theme, we'll kind of generate ideas of what topics will fit into this theme. For example, um, our last issue is called Intrigue, and it's a very broad term, and intrigue can mean a lot of things to a lot of different people. So we kind of use that flexibility to cover a wide range of topics, as we did with our first Friday issue, our Chinatown issue. It, it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So with our Intrigue issue, our fourth issue, we, um, we covered a story about secret societies in Hawaii um, along the lines of the Masons. We did a piece about um, ghost stories. We did a piece about um, old myths and legends in the area. We did another piece about um, ruins 
um, that people may have seen on the roadside or that are hidden deep in the woods here in Hawaii, but maybe have not known about. So anything that was sort of intriguing, mysterious, you know, hidden history or sort of had a creepy, eerie factor to it. So we'll just kind of, amongst ourselves, the editorial team, we'll just kind of run down some different story topics that might work um, within that framework. And we'll start pitching those to some of our writers. And the writers are welcome to come back with their own pitches or their own variation on the concept that we pitch to them. Um, and once they get those stories going, they'll um, they'll write them. We'll give them a deadline. We'll go through the editing process of the story, you know, getting it down to the proper word count or working back and forth with the writer to kind of clarify facts or, you know, make the content clearer. Um, meanwhile, the design side, the AIGA, um, they're recruiting the new crop of um, designers. And they'll, they'll recruit a new crop for each issue, just depending on who's available, school schedules, and whatever else is going on, as well as recruiting new mentors. Um, once the stories are done or on the verge of being done, they're assigned to the respective designers or the design teams, which, I, again, it will be one emerging designer and one mentor designer who's a veteran. And they'll, they'll work on that. The photographer comes on board somewhere in between. If it's a time-sensitive um, story, meaning like if uncovering a story that only takes place, you know, Tuesday the 24th, I need to have a photographer there with me when I'm covering the story. Some stories might be more flexible, and the designer can either reach out to a photographer, you know, to take shots that they think would fit their design. Maybe they'll just go with illustration, or maybe they'll take another approach. Um, so we'll give them that flexibility to see what they want to work with, if they want to work with photographers or not. Um, they'll go through that phase. They'll get the their layouts done. And what we have is, um, we don't have an official name for it, but I guess it's kind of a, a design meeting or a critique meeting where all the designers will present their layouts to the staff. And this is part of the educational component where we'll post them all on the wall um, the writer will take a moment to explain the concept behind their story. The designer gets up and explains the concept behind their design. And the other emerging designers and the mentors will kind of get a chance to look at it, offer their feedback. It's not meant to be critical or not, you know, too critical. We're not grading them necessarily. We're just looking at it, you know, and giving feedback saying, you know, maybe if it was a little more of this or you did a great job. Um, based on the feedback from that, uh, another valuable component of that actually is they get to see what the page spread next to them is looking like and what the page spread before them. If it looks too similar, um, they can tweak it or us as the editorial team, maybe we'll decide to shift stories around. Um, but after that meeting, they've got a few days, you know, maybe four or five days to tweak their designs. Final designs go in. Um, we've got usually a small window to proof it. The editorial team look for any typos, um, look for any things that maybe didn't show up on the proofs, but now are showing up, you know, in these markups we're looking at. Um, we also have um, one of our editors is um, a scholar of the Hawaiian language. So he can look for uh, like um, Okinas, any of the diacriticals for the, the Hawaiian language that most of us wouldn't be able to catch, but he's got, he knows the language in depth. So he's able to make sure we're culturally appropriate, you know, throughout and, Depending on the timeline, it always seems like the timeline's shrinking. But you know, we'll we'll crank that out as quick as you can, and then we we just go to print. 
Yeah, and then do you guys use a, a locally based printer as well? That's um, that's our publisher, Matt Heim. He actually runs okay. um, a major printing company. Um, him and his brother. Um, it's called Han Blue. And okay. one of the brands in that family of companies is called Electric Pencil. And Electric Pencil is the brand that um, their major client base is the graphic designers. So we'll, Electric Pencil does the printing for this. And so they do all the printing here locally, um, which is very helpful as far as not having to you know, deal with somebody in Seattle, for example, or Canada sure. and having to ship anything. It's, it's all right here. So, and we've actually yeah. had print runs down to the wire, like our first issue, actually most of our issues we don't see until our launch party, <laughs> you know, it's like oh, the launch <laughs> nice. party is today at five and it's like, okay, well here's the box, you know? So <laughs> that's cool. We'll pop it open um, and yeah, so it's a surprise. Yeah. So I guess why, um, since you know, again, it, it started off. It's still really fresh. It's still a really young uh, magazine. Um, why commit to a quarterly uh, versus some other printing schedule? Um, is is that too tight? Uh, is it just the right amount of time? Um, why why quarterly? I, I think it's just the right amount of time. I think. Um, well, one of the things with our magazine is, unlike most major magazines, they may have you know a handful of writers on staff. You know, a creative director and one or two, maybe three designers. You know, so it's a much easier crew to manage. We are coordinating here at Abstract, um, for the most part, one writer per story and one design team per story. So minimum three people, anywhere from 12 to 18 stories per issue. And that's not including, like, the design of the table of contents, the masthead, and all that stuff. So it, it, it's quite a chore. It's a lot of people who coordinate it's a lot of moving pieces so quarterly works out just right if we had to do this monthly um it would uh, drive us insane probably um, yeah you know and yeah. but at the flip side i think quarterly is just enough frequency that it's going to be fresh in people's minds and they're going to get excited about it versus an annual where you might forget about it or something that's twice a year you know quarterly it's fresh enough that it's still in people's you know radar and it'll keep them looking forward. It's like, oh, it's only three months till the next issue, and you know, there's a lot of stuff to be done with that in between. Yeah, for sure. No, I think it's a great, uh, good, good publishing timeline. It, it's solid, especially when you're, you know, producing this kind of quality. It's it's excellent. Um, so it, it, you did mention that you went through kind of the process, the whole process, and I appreciate the detail um, personally, and I know listeners will too, because it's just interesting to see um, to think about when you see something like this. You see a finished product, you wonder. At least I wonder, you know, what's what goes on behind the scenes to make something like this happen? Um, maybe not everybody wonders that, but I do, and I'm, I'm always curious <laughs> how much effort goes on behind the scenes and how much. So what you just said there, the number of personnel that's working on this is really incredible, and the amount of collaboration that goes back and forth to design every issue that's pretty remarkable. Mm-hmm. So I guess uh, going forward, what do you guys do? You have any like major plans with this, or is it just is it an experiment that that may stop, or is it something that you see going on in in perpetuity, like uh, forever or until, I guess, until it dries up sometime, you know, years later or it goes on forever? Um, is there any plans like, you know what I mean? Like, is it experimental or is it, um, is there a timeline on it or is it just as long as it's successful, keep doing it? Well, it's definitely an experiment, but it's not, um, as far as we're concerned, it's not a finite experiment. Uh, we, we like to take this for as long as we can take it. Um, you know, as far as plans, we, I mean, Keep on printing, obviously, you know, maintain this quarterly thing. We're always finding new 
every issue, I, mean, I described our workflow, but every issue, the workflow changes, adjusts. Um, well, for one issue, we'll say, well, what if we don't do that? And then we'll find that it doesn't work. So we'll reinstate that for the following issue or, you know, vice versa. There's always, things are always changing. So I can't say we found our groove just yet. This is not a well-oiled machine, um, which is not to say we're tripping over each other, but it's just there's always new challenges. Um, but um, we have been, I, I don't know if you are aware, but we did win, there's a local um, awards program for graphic designers called um, Hawaii's 5.0, just sort of a play on the show, but it came out before the show's reboot um, a few years ago. But it's recognizing the 50 best designs in the island or the state. And, you know, graphic design firms from all over submit their work, and they pick the top 50 and they honor them at a awards banquet. And out of those top 50, they recognize the top five. And f- we were blessed and fortunate to have um, Abstract um, be a top five winner for 2013. So that's the momentum we're hoping to take with us. I mean, it's it's very flattering and very endearing to be recognized by the local design community as being that good and being that valuable and integral to um, the design community. So we're hoping that's that's some goodwill that'll help take us further. Um, we have talked about a web component. We, we don't have a website. Um, we've got our Facebook page and a Twitter feed, and we are looking to develop a web component um, where we want to do something different. We don't want to just reprint what we have in our magazine online, um, only because that would be too simple and, you know, we don't have enough in our plates already. But we're looking at um, sort of recreating an incubator for the web component. So while we're giving these emerging designers print experience for the print magazine, we're trying to see if there's a way we can tap into another crop of emerging designers that are looking for experience in web design. So in theory, if everything works out and we do do this, you know, you'll pick up the print edition and you'll have one version of the story design-wise. And then if you go online, there'll be another version, another design for that story. You know? And it, we're still working out the logistics. That's, that's a whole other slew of moving parts and you know, potential nightmares, but, you know, we've got that on board and, you know, just keep pushing forward. You know, everybody on board here is really excited about what we do. Um, we'd like to see what else we can do. I mean, as, as, you know, beautiful as that issue that you picked up looked, um, we're looking at trying to experiment new, new techniques with the print, with the covers. Um, the first year was all neon covers. Um, you, Picked up the hot pink. Um, our fourth issue was um, mm-hmm. a neon blue. First issue was a shocking green, and then we had a really um, bright orange for our second issue. Yeah. You know, and I don't know how ex- um, knowledgeable you are with um, printing or paper techniques, but I mean, you, you could see the issue you had. I mean, there was it was textured, textured, um, and there was different things going on with the um, the cover design. And so we're looking at pushing that envelope further, too, so for future issues. So it's not just a matter of changing the color of the covers. You know, we're going to see what other – as much as we're pushing pushing the designers, we'd like to see how much we can push the um, the print component, too, just to show off. Here's what sure. else print can do. Here's, you know, what's available out there. 
So. Yeah, and are, are you are you a big part of that too? Then because I mean, obviously, as an editor, I mean, you, since it's for physical print, I, I assume that you you work with uh, the printers pretty closely. Is that is that true? Uh, to a limited degree. Um, I as mu- as collaborative as this is, they're also. Um, I'm trying to think of a word for it. I mean, I don't want to say um, divisions because that sounds like a negative thing, and it's not. But the writers and the editorial team, we take care of our content. The designers take care of their content. The publisher and the creative director are focused more on the cover design. And we do all have a say, and we look at each other's work. But um, compartmentalize is the term I was looking for. Sure. Um, And, yeah, so for the most part, the editorial team will, will handle the content and the coordination between um, design and writing, and the cover design and the cover, the color choices, things like that, for the most part, comes under the purview of the creative director and the publisher. Okay, gotcha. And so I'm guessing you guys are probably, uh, yeah, I, d- I did notice that because I thought the cover was pretty cool here, and uh, you do a lot of, uh, it seemed like, textured um, cover and stuff like that, so you guys will be pushing the bounds in that that respect then too, huh? Mm-hmm. Um, trying to do new, new different techniques. Okay, cool. Yeah. No, that's exciting. Um, how does this how does this magazine? I guess to, you know, a couple couple final questions I want to ask. Sure. How does this uh, this magazine now because it's a, a culture and lifestyle magazine in Honolulu? How what has been the reaction from uh, the local population and and specifically kind of the people that you um, highlight in here, the local businesses or local um, you know individuals that you highlight? How what's the reception been from them um, on, on this? Uh, initiative in this this magazine we've we've been fortunate to hear nothing but good things um i like i said we don't have a website we've just got our facebook presence but i mean as i'm sure you're well aware that on facebook and other online venues um if people think you suck they'll tell you that you suck and um we are (laughs) we've been fortunate that we haven't had that i mean pretty much everybody's been praising what we do everybody loves us from what we've been hearing um I think the closest to a complaint, if you can even call it that, is how come you don't have your magazine in restaurant X or cafe C, you know, just and wondering, you know, how come we're not distributed more widely? How come they can't get their hands on an issue? But, you know, it's it's a good thing. I mean, it's coming from a good place. They just they want the magazine. So, yeah, those are those are good complaints to have. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, you know, the response has been overwhelming. Um, like I said, through our Facebook and Twitter, people have been um, praising us. I told you about that award we won. Um, and then there's day-to-day life when you meet people and they're like, "Oh, you work for Abstract." And they'll just unprovoked, but they'll just start going on about how much they love Abstract and it's been a great response. Even the other magazine publishers recognizing what we're doing as far as um nurturing this new breed of um designer designers they're they're really supportive of what we do and you know we we try to work with them and however we can you know just either the publishers supporting each other the writers designers and all that and a a lot of the design mentors that we have work on at some of these major magazines so you know we all feed each other we all help each other out it's been very supportive that's awesome so I guess we'll just finish it up here. Is there any way um, that people can get in touch with you or with Abstract? I know you mentioned they don't have a website. You guys kind of have a website. I think it's a way to you've, you've, you highlight a couple of your magazines. You can't get them digitally, but it looks like you can mail somebody, email somebody to, to, to buy a copy or something like that. That's a good point. Yeah, we do have – we did put up a website just so we have something on a website. But, yeah, there is a means that people can order back issues. Um, while we are – when the new issue hits, we are free, but for back issues, because it is a limited print run, 
you know, we do charge for the back issues. So there is that website, which, my goodness, I should know this. I believe it's abstracthawaii.com. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I believe it is. And I'll have that, that all linked up in the show notes. Okay. And then our email address, our best way to get in touch with any of us, um, and myself personally, is abstracthawaii at gmail.com. So any Great. inquiries they may have, um, any questions, compliments, complaints, even, we'll welcome complaints, um, <laughs> and, you know, reach out to us via email. And, again, through our Facebook, um, you know, facebook.com slash abstracthawaii, you know, Twitter at abstracthawaii. So it's wonderful. Well, Richard, I really appreciate you taking the time today and and giving us a little behind the scenes look at the making of Abstract. Really, um, I think you guys are doing remarkable stuff. So keep it up. Oh, thank you very much. Thanks, and again, appreciate you reaching out to us and appreciate um, you scheduling me to um, you know tell you what we're all about. Thank you for listening to In the Trenches. Your creative work doesn't stop here. Join the resistance, the small but growing army of entrepreneurs and artists putting a dent in the world at www.tommorkis.com. Never fight alone. Join the resistance.